Pastor Joe, it's good to be here with you uh, on this third Sunday of Advent. I want to start by giving you kind of the end of the story. Some of you are are feeling at times a little bit insignificant. And I just want you to know that God sees you and God knows you and God loves you. And if that's you this morning, I want you to just rest in the assurance that God is near right now. Today, as we go into this third Sunday of Advent, we're going to be looking about the reality that Jesus comes to us through people, that's what we heard about last week, and comes to us from a place. And that place is seemingly insignificant. But that which the world sees as insignificant, if we allow God to, uses it for great significance. Before we go any further, let's just take a moment and pray together, shall we? Holy God, thank you for today. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let the glory of the Lord be redeemed. Father, I ask now that whether through my words or in spite of my words, that you would receive glory and honor and praise, that you would be magnified, that we might not miss the significance of your presence right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody else watching good Christmas movies? One. Okay, the rest of you need to slow down a little bit. Okay, slow down a little bit and uh, turn on a Christmas movie. Maybe it's a wonderful life. I don't know, Miracle on 34th Street. Pick one of the classics. Elf. Santa. Oh, so many quotable lines. The, uh, the reality is that this time of year gets pretty busy and hectic. It seems like uh, a couple of years ago when everything stopped, everybody panicked, and then we kind of got into this routine of enjoying some time maybe not doing other things. And then once kind of life and the world got back in motion, it seems like it snowballed even bigger and we're busier than maybe even ever before. Last night was a, a, a special night in, in lots of communities. I know that here in Bemis we had Christmas kind of at the point, right? And we lit up Bemis and it was hustling and bustling and I, uh, I wasn't able to be here and I'm going to tell you that story in a moment, but some of the things that I read on Facebook said that, you know, it was like a Hallmark movie. So for those of you that watch Hallmark, yes, it felt like that, I'm sure. For those of, the, the, those of you that didn't, maybe you should start watching Hallmark movies. Um, there's nuggets of gold in a Hallmark movie. Small town, seemingly insignificant, you can kind of see where that's going probably. Uh, I was in Sinclairville last night, and we had our Christmas in the park as well. And, uh, you know, there's just something special about living in small communities. I thank God for that. When we visited larger places, I mean, I've been to New York, I've been to Dallas, I've been to some big cities. You can live with people all around you and not have any relationship with any of them. That doesn't happen in small town USA. Everybody in Sinclairville knows who I am. And I know pretty much everybody there too. 
That's the beauty of living in community with each other is that you get to know each other and you're blessed with the relationship of other people as you talk to them, as you engage in life with them. For Christians, as we begin to offer this redemptive story to others, as we come alongside them in their times of need, as we pray together. I, uh, I want to give you a challenge on the front end. I want you to prayerfully consider doing something this week that is seemingly insignificant. So do something really small for someone else. But do it with the intention of allowing God to use that for God's glory in whatever way, shape, or form that is. We pick up the narrative this week from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, You might recall that Matthew was... uh, written to a primarily Jewish audience. As you begin the book of Matthew, you find the genealogy of Jesus uh, as carried out through David. Remember King David uh, is kind of the, the patriarchal line for the Messiah. And uh, after Jesus is born, we do something a little bit. Does anybody else withhold the Magi from their nativity until after Christmas? Nobody does, do they? Guys, uh, da- <laughs> The preacher does. <laughs> One of the preachers, that's right. Uh, the Magi actually weren't there on that first Christmas. The scripture says that they showed up two years later, actually. That's why we celebrate Epiphany Sunday after Christmas. It's part of the Christmas season, but it's actually not, they weren't there on that holy night. Mary and Joseph and shepherds and an angel. Well, a great multitude, actually, the scripture says. But we pick up the narrative for today in Matthew chapter 2. And it says, uh, beginning in verse, I'm going to actually back this. I know I'm, <laughs> they were hoping to just have an easy week in the booth. I'm going to back it up, actually, to the beginning of chapter 2, because I think it gives a little bit of context for you that's uh, significant today. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. You know why he was disturbed? Because he was the king. That's problematic, isn't it? Pick it up in the the fourth verse. It says, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And if you've got your Bibles, the prophet Micah is who they are quoting here from Micah chapter 5. I think it's verse 2. It says, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be my shepherd, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. May God bless the reading of his word today. We really want to communicate three very simple things. The first is that God works through the small. So if you're note-taking, God works through the small, God also works through the powerless, and God works through the hidden. 
And I have a question for you on the front end that maybe is something uh, more personal, but what are you asking God to do this Advent season in your life? You don't need to share that right now. But if you haven't been asking God for something this Advent season, I would invite you to be intentional about that. What are you asking God to do in your life during this Advent season? We've been really intentional on the front end to try to equip you to know that God is working in ways that we don't always understand, but that God is always working. A little bit of history in the context of what we were talking about. Um, The Magi were astronomers. They were traveling from the east, it says, and they were following the star. One of the things that we know is that we didn't believe, well, they didn't believe at that time that God was revealing himself to people outside of the people of Israel. But the astronomers were probably Zoroastrians, That's a big fancy word, astronomers. They followed uh, Zoran. They were looking for answers. That's kind of a little bit of fun world religion study you can do if you'd like. And God was revealing God's self to them even though they didn't know who God fully was yet. I had a, a gentleman come up to me and ask me to pray for his loved ones because there are people in his family who don't yet know who Jesus is. And he said, you know, Pastor, if they die, they won't spend eternity with God. And that's overwhelming to me. One of the things that I uh, oftentimes think about when I think about how big God is and how small I am, I'm reminded that God is at work even when I don't recognize God at work. And I encouraged him with that word that you keep praying, you keep being faithful because God is working on their lives. The scripture says that there's no excuse for anybody. When we don't talk about it as human beings, even the rocks cry out, right? God reveals himself however God sees fit to reveal himself. God works in the small and seemingly insignificant. We have a, a basketball team and I, and I know I'm kind of, When I'm in a season, that's kind of what the analogies are that you get, right? We're coming to an end on hunting season, so you're in luck, okay? We've only got about two weeks left. You don't have to hear about deer stories anymore. But now we're into basketball season. And uh, typically in basketball, if you don't play basketball, you know that you look for the taller people usually. The taller they are, we seemingly think that they're going to be better at basketball. Well, we have a couple of young ladies. My daughter's one of them who, uh, you know, is is sprouted up to 5'3". And... uh, She's like, Dad, am I going to grow any taller or am I going to be this small forever? I'm like, well, I don't know the answer to that. I said, God knows the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I said, well, you could probably do some things to make yourself a little taller. Go hang on the monkey bars for a while or something. Does that work? I don't know. Uh, And then we've got other kids who are playing basketball who are like 6'10 and 110 pounds soaking wet. And and, and Riley, she's really set on growing taller because if she's bigger, she would be able to do something better she thinks and I've been uh, coaching Riley for a while and I've continually told her look your size doesn't dictate how you play the game 90% of what we do is won and lost right up here and we had our first tournament last weekend and uh, 
the girls lost their opening game. In the words of one of my uh, coaching staff, I like using that term. We don't really have coach. Nobody's paid. They're all volunteers, but I have a tremendous coaching staff. Uh, it was a blowout. <laughs> it was really bad. But uh, I sat the girls down on Monday, and I said, what happened? Because they didn't play like they have, like the potential is there. You, you see, I see moments of, of what I perceive as greatness. And, and I'm like, you just, what was going on? And our tallest girl, so, and, and she's really gifted. She said, they were bigger than us. And I'm like, really? That's why we lost? Because the other girls were a little bit taller. I'm like, you know, it's not your size. And the Lord brought to mind the story of Caleb as he's entering the land of Canaan. You remember uh, Joshua, they sent out the spies, and when they came back, and you can read this story, I think it's in Numbers uh, 33. You can read this story. It says that they came back and they were terrified because the Canaanites were huge. And they said they were like giants and we were like grasshoppers. Sometimes our perception of things is really skewed and we forget that God moves and works through the small for his glory only. I'm curious to see how the girls play next weekend. I've been pitching it to them as hard as I can that it's not your size. You know, there's over four million cities or villages in the world. Four million. We live right here in Bemis Point, one of four million. It's that's not like a great percentage. I don't, one in four million, that's not really good odds. But God wants to use this space just like he used Bethlehem for his glory. A couple more things about Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means, any, any guesses? Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Think about this for a moment. Stay with me just for a second. What was one of the I am statements that Jesus declared in John's gospel? I am the, the bread of life. The house of bread is where the bread of life was born. And Jesus invites us into that small and seemingly insignificant place so that he might be revealed to us and through us. God works through the powerless. Some of you uh, are navigating difficulties right now. Some have shared those difficulties with me. Others, I just know the story. One of the things, and uh, this isn't... Um, The Lord reveals stuff to his, to his children. And even if you're all put together, the eyes tell the story of life. And some of you are carrying burdens right now that God doesn't want you to carry by yourself. He told those that were gathered, he said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Some of you feel pretty powerless right now. 
Some of you feel like you can't simply go on anymore. And I want to tell you that God sees you. Again, I want to tell you that. That God knows you. And like St. Paul said, it is in your weakness that God's power is made perfect. And he will enable you to carry out God's plan for your life. And even if you're struggling in ways that other people can't fully understand, God knows exactly what you're navigating right now. And God's promise is that he will make you strong. Now I want to clarify a couple of things as we navigate what God is doing in the small and the insignificant and in the powerless. It's not to make you glorified. It's to glorify God's self. You see, Jesus was the glory of God for us so that we might be in relationship with God. And as Bethlehem was a seemingly insignificant place, it was a small town gathered in the hill region, right? God uses whatever means necessary to carry out his plan. And he works through the hidden and the unseen. This last week, we, uh, we invited you to a week of prayer and fasting as, as we journey forward as a church into whatever the future of the church holds. And I had several different testimonies from people calling and saying, you know, I'm not able to gather in person for various reasons, but I've been spending time in the quiet, in the hidden space, And God's just revealing things to me over and over and over again. God works through the hidden. And if you and I are faithful in our moments of struggle, God does pretty significant things in that space. One of the the narratives that has continually... uh, challenged me is this element of Jesus being Lord. We like Jesus as our friend. We like Jesus as our savior. We like Jesus as the one who is going to get me out of the pickle that I've gotten myself into. We don't like Jesus as Lord. Because lordship means that we surrender all of our rights to him. And the Bible is really clear that we can't have Jesus as Savior if we don't take him as Lord. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, now Jesus was not created on uh, that first Christmas. So don't think that, that's, that's bad theology. He has always been, Scripture says. If you read the prophet Micah, and I want to back you up to Micah chapter 5. Jesus has always been. The prophet says this, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Times, but a better translation is there from everlasting to everlasting. God in the carnate, Jesus Christ, was not created on that first Christmas. In the fullness of time, the scripture says, He came to us. 
at the right time in God's plan so that we might be reconciled unto God. God did in the hidden what we weren't able to do any longer. And I want to just leave you with a couple of thoughts. It's that you matter. I hope that that's been communicated. Even though you may feel seemingly insignificant, you are one of 8 billion people on planet Earth right now. One of 8 billion. And God cares for you personally. Scripture says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he he knows the hairs on your head, that he has a desire and a plan for your life. And that plan, by the way, is really simple. That plan is to bring glory to God and to enjoy the company of God all the days of your life. And he has given you everything for that. And he desires deep and intimate relationship with you. And he has created a way for that to happen. And if you will allow God to work through the small and the the powerless situations and in the hidden situations, you will experience what you just sang about. Where you receive the peace that passes understanding. Where you receive the joy of the Lord which becomes your strength. Where you're able to proclaim to others, come with me on this journey to see the king. Like those magi on that first night. Take the path of the humble. Walk that lowly road. You know, I read one thing this week that was kind of interesting. uh, And I'm I'm pretty regularly reading just to kind of, I think reading is important. I didn't used to think that. If you're here and you were a teacher of mine, I do like reading now. Fascinating. One thing I read talked about the um, stables. And we've oftentimes associated it with a, with a place like this, right? That's, that's what we have given ourselves is this kind of stable-looking manger thing. And the location of Bethlehem, some have said the stables might have actually been kind of clefts in the rock. And there's one, there's one narrative that I read that said that, that they might have even been so small that you had to kind of crawl into them to get into that space. And they said, think about this for a moment, All those that came to see the Christ child had to get on their knees to access that space. They had to put themselves in a lowly position, in a seemingly small space to witness that which was taking place in the hidden. God sees you, God knows you, and God loves you. And if you were the only human being left on earth, Jesus Christ would have died for your sins, just like he did die for your sins. As we journey to Advent, I go back to that first question. What do you want God to do in your life this Advent season? How are you going to use the seemingly small and insignificant spaces to allow God to do something really significant in the world at large. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for being faithful, even in the situations and places that we don't necessarily see you at work. God, thank you that you are mindful of us in our times of despair, that you are present with us in our times of affliction, that you have not forgotten us, 
And God, that you invite us into that secret space. Lord, I pray as your Holy Spirit moves among the people gathered here in worship this morning, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would reveal yourself to your creation, and then you would use us, God, for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The scripture uh, says in 2 Corinthians that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, that each should determine in their own heart how they would give to God, not out of compulsion or under coercion. I want to just give you a moment to reflect on, on God and how he has blessed you this year. And I want to invite you to give back to the Lord faithfully. I'll close out our time together uh, with prayer and then we'll sing the doxology together.